2: From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable.
3: iHeartRadio presents Podversations, a weekly discussion with the biggest names and influencers in podcasting. Want to learn the secret psych-up ritual? scrub stars Zach Braff and Donald Faison use before every fake doctor's real friends taping? how Vice News parachutes into war zones to rescue journalists from life-threatening situations, or why Keegan-Michael Key and Blumhouse believe 3D audio is the future of storytelling. Whether you're a newbie trying to break into the podcast game or an exec trying to refine your playbook, Podversations is the easiest way to keep your pulse on the industry.
4: Everybody and thank you so much for joining us for another awesome session of the iHeart Podcast Network speaker series. This is uh, easily my favorite part of the week. I get to stop down and talk to a partner that we're in business with, but a creator that we sort of love too. We feel like is doing really cool, groundbreaking stuff. Uh, In audio, this lets us have conversations, the excuse for which is podcasting, but it lets us have conversations with some of the best storytellers, I think, in media today. Today is no exception. We have host Jonathan Walton. Uh, He has an upcoming podcast with us called Queen of the Con that I promise you in 30 minutes from now when we wrap, your mind's going to be a little bit blown (laughs) about what this show is where the idea came from, and a little bit about Jonathan's background too. But Jonathan, first of all, thank you so much for hanging out with us for half an hour. I really appreciate it.
5: Thanks for having me. It is an honor to speak to you.
4: So listen, what I think is one of the coolest things about uh, podcasting is that none of us started out as podcasters yet at least. You can't really get a degree necessarily in podcasting. I'm sure one of my kids will, but not yet. So I think what it lets the medium do these days is we get a lot of different opinions and experiences from folks who come in from TV or book writing or politics or sports. What's your background? Where are you coming from?
5: Oh, my God. My background's all over the place. So I started out in television news out of college. I have a degree in journalism and broadcast journalism. And I was a TV reporter for 10 years at the CBS station in Houston. And I got fired from my job because I was the morning show feature reporter. So I did like the the fun stuff, you know, the donut eating contests and the, the deep fried testicle festival, stuff like that. But then I got a new boss who didn't think that kind of journalism belonged on their news and fired me. And then I was Comedy Central, was interested in the show I created called Some Stupid Show and they were gonna give me a shot. So I moved out to LA in late 2007 then the writer's strike happened, and and that you know, put the kibosh on my Comedy Central thing. And I was out of work. So I did what most out of work TV news people do. I got into reality television. I started producing reality television. I did like UFO hunters, some of the biggest shows I've worked on, Shark Tank, American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> you know, I was having a blast. And it was around that time that I met, you know, this super friendly neighbor, a recent transplant from Ireland, and she became my best friend, like a sister to me, and I knew her for four years. And it literally took me four years to realize, wait a minute, she's no friend. This is like an international con artist on the run from authorities hiding out in my building, scamming me, and come to find out scamming dozens and dozens of others in Los Angeles in other states and all over the world, this woman. She was a piece of work and she you know, devastated me, but uh, I fought back. And now, yeah, that's the podcast. Queen of the Con is how I met her, how she conned me, how she conned everyone else. And, you know, most people, and I was one of those people, think I could never get conned. You know, I didn't even think con artists were real. I didn't believe it was real. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is uh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels with Michael Caine and Steve Martin about, you know, professional con artists on the French Riviera. I thought that was all movie stuff. I didn't know those are real people who could be a neighbor, a friend, a co-worker, you know. Until it happens to you, you don't know it's real. But let me tell you, con artists are real. They they yeah. live and breathe, and they spend their days conning. And they're, the better they are, the less you believe they're real. It's like that famous usual suspects quote, you know, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist.
4: That's incredible. There's so much in what you just said to unpack. You're working on reality TV. You're Mm -hmm. getting to know Mayor Smith. And at some point, who's the subject of the podcast, Queen of the Con. And at some point in your three, four year burgeoning friendship, it starts to dawn on you that this may not be all that it seems to be, or maybe more than it seems to be. I think what's interesting about this, not to lay too much sort of humanity or philosophy on it or whatever, or psychology on it, in a way it sort of puts in relief relationships all of us have had, where we're sort of like, ah, this isn't quite the relationship I wanted or I thought it would be. When did that first start to happen for you? And again, not to lead the witness as it were, but like,
5: (laughs) did you want to not believe it for a long time? So the thing with any con or any con artist is it was dribs and drabs, right? I didn't know everything all at once. I only figured out four years into our friendship, I caught her in a lie. And you've heard that expression, lies are like rats. When you, when you see one, it means there are a thousand others hiding. Mm. And sure enough, after I caught the one lie, I found another lie and another lie and another lie. And before you know it, it's this mountain of lies And then I start finding other victims and I'm like, oh, my God, it's not a matter of her just scamming me, which initially I just thought she scammed me. I thought she tricked me. I thought that was it. But no, I found out she's a professional and this is what she does and impersonating other people. I don't want to give too much away, but nothing she said was true. And, you know, at one point she's impersonating Jennifer Aniston and and scamming people. She is so good. By the time I met her, she was in her mid-40s. She's 52 now. And I guess like a 40-something-year-old anything is as good as you're ever going to get at whatever you're doing. You've had decades of experience. You've been working it for a long time. So by the time I met her, she was infinitely believable, sophisticated. She had all the props. There were tons of props. She had a frame... A uh, picture of the Irish constitution in her apartment that she said, you know, her great-great uncle was a signatory and she pointed out the signature. Like, who has a prop like that? I mean, when someone tells you, hey, I'm from Ireland, you just believe them because who's lying about that? But now I don't believe anyone ever. You know, I back down, check everyone because... Yeah, it's just, I can never fully recover from that. I'm suspicious of everyone.
4: But at the same time, you're an intelligent, successful guy. What would you say to people who think they're too smart, they'll never be conned, I got this thing? What is it that con men and women do that it's
5: like, no, they really can get you as well? Yeah, I'm an intelligent guy. I've got a 142 IQ last time I checked. But here's the thing, con artists don't outthink you Con artists outfeel you, they use your emotions to scam you. Our friendship, I loved her like a sister. You know, I joked that I loved her as much as any gay man can love a woman. She quickly moved into my life, but all of that was calculated in retrospect on her part. She targeted me from the very beginning because of the way we even met. We only met because I live in this downtown building and we have this gargantuan pool with Olympic sized swimming lanes and our building lost the pool and I was, you know, angry, and I started organizing the residence, you know, I'm a do-gooder, right? So she quickly figured that out and used my nature as a do-gooder against me to get me to be a do-gooder for her. But in doing good for her, I just, she was scamming me. And we unpack, in Queen of the Con, the podcast It's dropping on iHeart September 30th, um, we unpack so many other victim stories from this woman. She would zero in on what you are and then use it against you. So for me, she used my desire to do good and help people against me and scammed me successfully. And for another guy, an engineer in Newport Beach, Bob, he had just gone through a divorce and was looking to get a better custody arrangement of his kids, so she suddenly is a I'm a child custody investigator. You know, she she starts dating this guy. So he believes she's a child custody investigator for LA County and she's going to help him get a better custody arrangement with his kids. She offers to help. That was her entree into every victim's life. She offered to help. And who doesn't want to be helped? And who doesn't love a person Who's helpful, you know, but my God, I thought she was an angel when we first met, but by the time it was over, I knew she was the devil.
4: Was there a moment, do you remember it? If so, was there a moment like an intervention or whatever, where you're sitting there with her and it's just total honesty all of a sudden you're like, look, this is who I think you are. And how did that moment go?
5: Oh, there was a moment. So as soon as I found the first lie and found the second lie and found the third lie and realized I was scammed, I confronted her and I recorded it. And the pieces of that recording are in the podcast. Episode three, I believe. Yeah, she just denied it. And she was so believable in her denial. You know, like tears filled her eyes. Like she could cry. Again, when we were friends, I thought the tears were real. But now I realize, no, she's just like, She should have gone into acting, you know, because she could cry like that because now I realize all those instances where she was crying, she was crying over fake things that didn't really exist, but she's selling them to me with the tears and I believed it. So, yeah, when I confronted her, she denied it and cried and then she systematically began telling everyone we knew in common that I'm crazy and that I attacked her or ransacked her apartment or whatever. So I couldn't even, I tried to warn people about her, but they weren't talking to me because she had successfully convinced them that I was crazy. But eventually over time, I managed to one by one make contact with all the people we knew in common and come to find out she scammed them too. She was scamming everyone and she was so good.
3: Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic oracle.com slash strategic.
1: You deserve a moment to yourself every single day and a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause.
4: self-worth, self-esteem, your own version of who you are, right? Like as you go through something like this, I imagine that also gets dented here where you walk out of it thinking, how did I let this happen? Maybe I'm not as up to speed as I thought I was. How do you process that? Like, do you feel
5: just really
4: embarrassed
5: for a long time or what? Well, um, you know, and that's the thing, and you bring up a great point because most con artist victims, it is the embarrassment that prevents them from going to police, that prevents them from sharing their story. And it is that very thing that enables the con artist to continue scamming because if no one's saying anything, she just gets away and scams a new group of people because the old group of people haven't didn't go public. I think the one advantage I had And I credit this with being an openly gay man. I came out when I was 30, Uh, I am now 47. Yes, I moisturize. I think the one thing I had to my advantage was if you're an openly gay man or woman, you've already made peace with the fact that everyone's not going to be okay with that. You know, the majority of the world is not okay with gay people. In a lot of parts of the world, they they murder people for being gay. Even in America, you're being kicked out of your house, kicked out of your family, fired from your job in certain states for being gay. And it's totally legal. So any openly gay person has already made peace with not caring what people think. So surprisingly, that helped me because looking back, Never for a second. You know, I went to police almost immediately and I started a blog almost immediately. I started sharing my story. I was never ashamed. I wanted to try to stop her from doing this to other people because I quickly realized she's a professional. She scammed people in my building, everyone in our sphere, everyone that we knew in common, she scammed. And I want. I was on a hunt to get her and prevent her from scamming other people. So That idea of, oh, my God, what are people going to think never even crossed my mind. I was so angry and I was I wanted justice. I wanted justice. And yeah, that propelled me.
4: You mentioned a good point, though, which is I think there are certain crimes that are hard to go through, but also really hard to get help with.
0: Oh my god. The legal yeah.
4: system. This is certainly one of them. So maybe yeah. talk through like the hindrances of the legal system here, how it made it easier or impossible to stop her from doing what she's doing. You say she's in jail now, so ultimately something
5: worked, but what happened? So since I got, you know, a lot of publicity for my case, you know, my story's been covered by a bunch of newspapers and TV shows, yada yada. Just the tip of the iceberg compared to what's coming on the podcast, though. We uncovered some insane things. We talked to her daughter. Her daughter, who has never spoken publicly about being raised by a con artist ever, she's talking to us, and we have two, three episodes with her in it. It's insane, the story she tells. But since going public with my story and getting all that media attention, a lot of other victims have reached out to me for help. And not knowing any, you know, I can't not help people because I know the tricks now. There are a ton of tricks to get police involved. When I walked in to find my police report, the police, the cop said you gave her the money, it's not a crime. That's not true. But that's a knee-jerk reaction from cops because listen, he's got murders and, and rapes and armed robbery and here I come in, hey, I got scammed by this woman. Like, they don't really care, they don't care. You have to make them care. You have to cite, you know, one of the phrases I learned is acting in reliance on her statements. You know, what she did to me it was she got charged and convicted with felony grand theft by inducement. That is a crime, when you lie to get money, it is a crime. The same with those IRS scammers who call up the elderly and say, you owe $20,000 and they pay. Even though they willingly paid, it is fel- it's fel—it's a felony because you're lying to trick old people out of $20,000. So you have to have the law on your side and you have to be able to cite the specific law and specific phrases to get them interested. And you have to bring your evidence. You can't just go to a, a police willy-nilly and say, I got scammed, woe is me. I started unpacking Text messages and emails and bank records and just unequivocal proof that this woman lied to scam me and I can prove it. you got to nag them every day. Hey, are you investigating my case yet? Hey, are you investigating? Because they need to learn that you're not going away until they, they stamp it and move your case up the line or they dismiss your case. Which they need a reason to dismiss your case. They need to say they haven't been able to find anything. But that's not true if you've given them stuff. They have stuff. They can't dismiss it. So I became such a nuisance that the only way for the cop investigating my case to be free of me was to file charges and move it to the district attorney's office, which is, thank God, what he did.
0: As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns, but a deep voice doesn't sell B2B and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either.
1: And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post errands pick pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Are you
2: ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day?
4: I want to know two origin stories, really. Like, One yeah. is where this drive came to not give up, to obsessively, passionately driven chase a case in this case and not take no for an answer where I honestly believe nine out of ten people would be like, okay, I'm done. I'm too embarrassed anyway. Yeah, I'll go back to my house and lick my wounds. Yeah. And then the second thing I'd like to know about is where storytelling came from in your life. You may not think of yourself as a storyteller, but I can hear talking to you that, that you are. We'll do the first one first. Is it from a parent, a brother, a spouse, a sibling that had that sort of investigative reporter
5: gene? Where does that come from? You know, I chalk it up to two things. I had never been hurt like that before. I had never been wronged like that before. And that was a lot of money. And I had to file for bankruptcy. And I just remember after I discovered it happened, I went home and just collapsed in my husband's arms and just cried Mm -hmm. for an hour. Like I was inconsolable. I'd never, how I was so angry at myself. But then as I, you know, the next day and the next day and the next day, and as I started finding other victims, it quickly became greater than me. You know, at first I felt like God punished me But then as I started finding other victims and as I started building my case against her, I realized, no, 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 I think, and again, you know, I I don't want to turn off atheists, but I think God chose me to stop her who no one before me had done anything. So it's like, all right, I will. I will. For me and for all the other people, I will stop her. And it really didn't occur to me until a year into my investigation and finding dozens and dozens of other victims and just crazy stories that oh my God, this is a podcast. This is a show. This is insane. And nobody, almost like before I die, I want there to be a record of all this insanity because otherwise no one will believe me. And that's been the magic of the Queen of the Con podcast for you guys at iHeart in producing it is, yes, it's a crazy story coming from my mouth. We sit down with dozens of victims, even the daughter Who this happened to, who she scammed and destroyed lives and hearing it from them, like it's so much more powerful and compelling. And it was so personal. I I couldn't give up until I got justice, you know, and even then I I still haven't given up because there's there's new stuff that has developed. You know, if you're a smart, nonviolent offender, you can scam people till the cows come home. Uh, Only if you ever encounter a victim like me, you're going to have a problem. Right. But the vast majority of victims kind of just roll over and move on and never really do anything about it. And the con artist lives to con another day.
4: Did you hear someone when you were a kid telling stories? Like, did, did the power of spoken word have an effect on you as a kid? Because you clearly have the bug. Where did it come from?
5: You know, I never thought about that. I mean, I've as a kid, I loved, you know, movies and television. And I loved stories and Yeah, I guess that's why I got into news, because, you know, TV news, you're telling really short stories about, you know, goings-on events of the day. I don't know. There's no one in my family who does what I do, so I don't know. I just, yeah, I I do love storytelling, and I am a storyteller. Yeah, and I'm engrossed by other stories. And what I love most about stories and movies and TV shows, A, I like to be hooked at the very beginning, which, if you listen to the first episode of The Queen of the Con, it is very hooking. And B... I want to be surprised. I don't want to know where it's going. I want twists and turns and to be shocked. And my God, Queen of the Con, the stuff we've uncovered, where we start and where we end. It's like just it's a hell of a ride and it's all true. It's I all think what's true.
4: cool about it, I mean, I've said it before, but again, I think that the best podcast, especially the best documentary or, or investigator or crime podcasts are really the average person's life in stark relief. Yeah, We've all been lied to. We've all been scared. We've all been embarrassed. We've all tried to right a wrong. And Queen of the Con, it's a thrilling story. But you'll also, to all of the folks listening and watching, you'll kind of see yourself in it, too. It'll ring like, oh, yeah, that's happened to me, too. I'll close on podcasting specifically. You've mentioned it a bunch. Here at iHeart, we love podcasting. We have hundreds of podcasts. We believe in this medium as maybe the coolest medium in the world right now. Why is this a medium that works for you? What does it let you do? Again, not to lead you too much here, but, but I believe podcasting lets creators do stuff that other mediums don't. What does it let you do? Why does it feel like I had to tell Queen of the Con as a podcast first and foremost?
5: Well, I am a huge podcast fan for years now. And I have often thought about that too. What is so special about podcasting? And I have a few answers that I've come up with in my own mind, so I'll share them with you. Number one, it is such an intimate experience because when you're listening to a podcast, you're either you know walking the dog or exercising or going to work in a car, in a train, on a plane, in the airport. It's just you. It's you focusing a thousand percent on what you're hearing and getting swept up and sucked in. And what I love about storytelling through podcasts, it's, you know, it's theater of the mind. It's not just the story, it's sound effects and other people's, the sound of their voice and and the cadence. And there's so many different textures and colors. And certainly what I loved about doing the Queen of the Con podcast is the advantage it has over television, because my story has been covered on television. And the majority of victims don't want to talk on television, but they will sit for a podcast interview. And that has been crucial in getting, setting the record of what happened and what this woman did. I spoke to a lot of victims who didn't want to talk on television before when, you know, ABC did a thing and Access Hollywood and all, you know, they didn't want to talk to any of those TV things. But the intimacy of just me and a mic and a a victim in a room with privacy and them telling their story, it's powerful. And they feel unencumbered. They tell me stuff. They shocked me. I was shocked. Every victim shocked me because I thought I knew the story. But, you know, people don't tell you everything until you're sitting down and going through it for hours. And you're like, wow, this woman, she is the devil. She is the devil.
4: Yeah, it's really, I think, words that get thrown around a lot in media like genuine, intimate, raw, authentic actually do feel accurate with podcasting. And you're right, there is something about interviewing a subject matter or just having a chat show in a podcast where you feel like the world falls away Mm -hmm. in the way that it's produced the conversations people have but also the way that it's consumed how it's deep in your head usually headphones it's you and that host so listen we do a lot of shows here at iheart you can kind of feel when the staff is abuzz about a particular show and this is one of those just because yes it's thrilling but you have just been also a thrill to work with so john oh,
5: likewise, thank likewise you. man thank you so much and i'm grateful to iheart what i love about you guys is you kind of let us do our thing you didn't get in the way you didn't make us change anything you know you let storytellers be storytellers and i appreciate that i'm a huge fan of iheart and i thank you and i'm honored to talk to you today thank you jonathan
4: and thanks everybody for hanging out with us for this half hour we will see you next week for another session take care be good talk soon
5: take care thank you
3: Conversations is a production of iHeartRadio. You can find more from the biggest names in podcasting on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.